0: Good Friday afternoon to you. Welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you two expert guests all in the course of an hour on this Friday, the 5th of November. I'm Nadine Blaney. A very special welcome to those of you joining us on Twitter and YouTube today. Great to have you along for the ride. Now, I will introduce our expert guests after I let you know that this time next week, we've decided to do a special international share edition of the call. So consider that your warning. If you would like our expert guests to digest and to analyze international companies for you send us your requests to the call at osbiz.com.au or you can find us on twitter now my expert guests today, Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Great to have you with us here, Julia, and Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. Always a pleasure, Adam. Adam, I've got to say, I just got an email in hot off the press from my friend Nino. He says, Nadine Adam's one stock pick on the call was Calix. I think this was your future fund pick or stock. Yep. yep. It yep. is still up trending and it's now 95% up in just less than four months. He passes along his thanks. So give yourself one of those, Adam. And we'll get on with the show. But that's what we love to do, right? Just bring our viewers a few ideas, investable ideas, yeah. as we go through this program. Now, whether or not we'll get any of them today remains to be seen. But, Julia, I'm going to start with you with stock of the day. Let me give our viewers the background in case they don't know the news yet. So the ticker code is LNK. The company has received a takeover offer from Carlisle Asia Partners, $2.8 billion. Now, it says that it will um, suspend, Link will, its on-market buyback as it considers the $3 per share proposal for Link plus a $2.38 per share distribution for Link's stake in PEXA. Now, the board is not recommending shareholders take any action now. There might not be a transaction result. Uh, but the news does you know continue with this M&A theme that we're seeing in local markets, but also You know, this is second bite at the cherry for Carlyle. Previously, it had uh, teamed up with Pacific Partners for a $2.76 billion bid for full control. But of course, Julia, Link rejected that offer. But, I mean, what is it that Carlyle sees as so attractive here?
1: Well, certainly if you have a look at the share price, it's been depressed for a while. So there's a lot of value in terms of of the price. Now, Carl together uh, last year with another partner, came um, for a takeover bid at $5.20 and then increased it to $5.40 before for bowing out. And that's because our prices went a bit higher than that. So there has been a bit of interest in terms of Link administration. Of course, the jewel in the crown was always considered PEXA, which is already IPO. So I guess if you have a look at Link's core business now, most of that comes from superannuation. And what Link does is it provides the back end. And we use Link and we use them for our uh, for fund accounting, for custody as well as for the registry side of the business. So they provide that not only on the corporate side, but also the fund side as well. And look, this is probably an area that is ripe for technology to come in and make it a lot more efficient because a lot of the the old traditional manual ways of doing things have really been replaced by technology. I mean, even if you have a look at things like Know Your Client where it used to be looking up databases and actually getting um, certified copies of identification, a lot of that has all moved online now with um, automatic checking of government databases and things like that. So I, I think in the old days, we used to think of takeovers and then think of, um, I guess, private equity coming in and make a, making a a leaner company through cutting staff and cutting costs. But the new way of doing things is really to view things through a technology lens to try and increase margins and also increase, um, I guess, the the growth side of things as well. So Link, I think, is a company that's transitioning from old school to new school. And I think technology really provides that lever that it needs. So if Color can come in and really just accelerate the technology path for Link, I I think that would be a positive.
0: But what about the price that they're offering, Adam? Um, you know, it was knocked back previously, a $2.8 billion bid. Um, and this one is, uh, you know, valuing the company at $5.38 per share, which is close to a 25% premium on yesterday's close. Uh, is that a yeah. good price for PEXA shareholders? Or I should say, Link shareholders? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, Link shareholders. Yeah, look, I, I certainly think that you know it, it is a decent price. They've broken that down uh, a little bit to uh, Carlisle partners, comprising of uh, three dollar per share in cash, plus a pro rata distribution to Link shareholders valued uh, as well. So that does give it a sort of uh, a little bit more uh, two dollars thirty eight plus the. giving that that uh, $5.38, I guess, offer, as it were. But what I, I did read from the announcement, and this is something that you've got to be really, really careful with, is the proposal is subject to several conditions, one being due diligence, negotiation, execution of transaction document and securing debt financing. Why do you think they'd put a bid in if they haven't actually got the financing in place? So that's my first thing. The second thing also that Link Group understands that the proposal would also require final investment committee approval from the relevant Carlisle committees. So in other words, they haven't really got any of their shareholders uh, uh, to bid for this or, or to say yes Uh, So it seems very opportunistic. It seems like that these guys are are throwing another log or bid in to get a look at the book again. I think I'd be really cautious on this one. What do you do as a shareholder when you get a takeover? One is to wait till the 11th hour to then basically go in and, you know, obviously, if there's competing bids, then, you know, you'd hold on. Or Henry Jennings also said many, many years ago, you know, you take that first bid and you sell some of it there because then the stock's going to move sideways for another three months until and then potentially the market gets a little bit bored and the stock comes off a bit as well. So there's a couple of things that you can do. But I think this one looks highly conditional. I don't. I think the market looks like it might go through, but they're not really paying up too much at the moment, seeing that share price at sort of $4.80. I think you'd be a bit cautious on this one. I think it's very opportunistic at the moment.
0: So so you're saying that if you were holding Link, you would potentially lighten up?
2: I, I, w- I would sell some up here because it's been, a di- well, not been a disaster, but certainly the share price, as Julia has said, that it, it has definitely fallen away and they're taking uh, opportunistic bids on this one. So, yeah, looking at that chart, I'd probably take some off the table here because I don't think there's going to be another competing bid. Uh, and basically, yeah, it might fall back. And, and, and I guess the fallback would be closer to sort of that $4.20 mark, mm. whereas I don't see it really rallying up to that sort of $5. And even the market's not really giving it that full value at the moment. So I'd take a little bit off here uh, at the moment.
1: Does that sound about right to you, Julia Lee from Berman? Yeah, I think I, I would hold off on selling for just a little bit. Um, There have been num- a number of offers in the past, and although PEXA has IPO'd, you know, in this space, we've also seen mainstream, which, of course, was uh, – There was a takeover battle for that as well, and a very similar type of business where it's looking at the back end of funds. So, there certainly has been quite a bit of interest in this area. Um, So, it is highly conditional, but don't forget that also we have seen Carlisle taking a look at the books. So, it has done due diligence back in October last year and it's come back um, with some interest there again. So, it's already looked at the books. Um, I guess this big gives it another look at the books, but uh, given that it wasn't scared away by looking at the books last year, um, it'll mm-hmm. be, I think, interesting to see whether it can shake any other bids um, out of the woodwork, given there has been quite a bit of uh, activity in this space over the last 18 months. Yeah, certainly so.
0: All right. So that's stock of the day, link administration. And to your point, guys, it's up by 11% at this stage of the game, just past noon in Sydney on this Friday. I'll timestamp it for those that listen in podcast form uh, at $4.79, roundabout there. Shall we get on to the list of companies that have been submitted by our viewers? I'm going to answer for both of you. Yes, we shall. MACA is the first on the list, MLD. This one is for Renee. So MACA is one of those diverse contracting groups, so it wins contracts in that um, mostly mining space and um, it, it works here in Australia and also internationally. Adam, can I start with you on MACA?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think Mac is probably one of the only mining services companies that I've seen in a long time that really has quite a good positive outlook. So for me, it's a hold to sort of uh, get that sort of uh, that little bit out of the way. Um, the reason is I think the price action on the shares have really started to see that it's probably close to its sort of, uh, you know, it's it's done quite well, uh, you know, going forward. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, is that the right chance? Yeah, yeah, maybe that- it is.
0: Yeah, that, that doesn't look so crash hot.
2: Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I thought it was closer to $1.40. But anyway, um, uh, so look, I, I think that, that one, um, the, the reason why I think this is okay is that they don't have a lot of coal exposure. So I think that's good. They've got gold. They've got um, free or any problem contracts. They've got gold, iron, ore facing contracts, and I think that's obviously uh, going to do well for them. I think that their debt is under control. Um, outlook commentary from the company looks upbeat as well. But I'd probably leave it as a hold. mining services as a whole, should have already rallied a fair bit in the past. And look, it certainly looks like um, uh, Macca has done well and I'd probably be just a little bit cautious on that one at the moment.
0: Got it. Now, Julia, what's your take on Macca? Just to Adam's point is that it recently off offered- loaded its stake in Bowen Coking Coal, which had a mine up in Queensland. Uh, Julia, Macca in the mining services space.
1: Sure, look, I think this one's looking interesting here. We've seen quite a significant pullback in terms of the share price. And while the share price has rallied over the last month, over the past 52 weeks, it's basically exactly where it was um, sort of at the start of of a year ago. But the difference is that the work in hand has increased. A year ago, the work in hand was at about $1.3 billion. Now it's at $3.1 billion, and the share price is at the same level. The outlook's also looking good. I guess, Nadine, um, My concern with some of these mining services companies and contractors would be that we are seeing quite significant wage pressures coming through and price pressures coming through. And when you're a contractor and you have a fixed price contract and costs are rising, then that could be quite problematic. And in the past, we have seen that contractors, when there have been cost blowouts, that uh, a project very quickly goes from being uh, profitable to a loss-making one. So, look, I think this is a speculative buyout the moment i'd say high risk given that the work in hand has increased quite significantly from a year ago but the share price hasn't the number one risk i think with contractors at the moment is in terms of labor costs and we've seen that not only rising in that mining space but all over um, whether you're looking at fashion and apparel or even hospitality um you know there Mm. are wage pressures coming through here so that would be a significant risk
0: um, what do you think about the 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 work that's likely to come through um, for a group like Mecca, Julia? I mean, we've got uh, still plenty of emphasis on digging stuff up, and shipping it <laughs> overseas, but um, you know, it, it is a cyclical uh, type business.
1: Absolutely. Look, most of its revenue still comes from the mining space, although it does have some contracts in that civil and infrastructure space as well. And look, the mining space has been relatively strong, and that's really where a lot of the new projects, the growth have come from. And this is really all about project wins, because when you have a look at contractors, some projects finish, and you need to replace that revenue looking forward. But look, the outlook is still looking good. Recently, we've seen a bit of an uplift in in share price. I think there's been a bit of takeover speculation around the, the, the shares, um, but the company has hosed that down and says that it's not aware of any corporate transaction um, pending. So look, that was just in the past week. So there has been a, a bit of drama and excitement in terms of the stock price. But in ter- terms of mining, it's still looking relatively strong outside of coal. Prices falling back significantly at the moment. But in terms of, I guess, um, activity for MACA, the work in hand has been progressing nicely.
0: Got it. So let's mark up for Renee. Renee, hope you're watching. Don't forget this uh, this is not financial advice tailored to your own particular circumstances. It is information only. All right, let's get to Catalga. TLG, this is for Harriet. So this is a company that does get a lot of hype around it at times. It has done so in the past a couple of days or so as it updates the market. Um, It's battery anode graphene additives, headquartered in a good old WA so it's in that really hot area of the market, battery technology and some of those green sort of technologies going forward. It's got, um, it's got presence in Europe, which, of course, is sort of HQ for a lot of this battery technology. Uh, what do you make of the company, if you're familiar with it? Uh, I'll go with you, Adam.
2: Two out of two. All right, let's go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, look, I actually think TLG is a buy. Um, this one has done really, really well. It's sitting, definitely sitting in the right space, but it is a lot of that height that's in there, so I'd be really careful about it. So I'm going to use... Uh the words of Julia Lee. This is a speculative buy. You've got to be a little bit careful up here. But look, that battery anode and advanced materials uh, group has certainly started to look very good. Um, they've had some product and technology development as Hitachi Life Cycles has uh, uh, defined them as a world-leading green anode credential. Plus, also they, they've got their Swedish electric vehicle anode or their plant construction that's going uh, going through as well. Um, look, they've got uh, I think they've got about 50 46 million in the bank at the moment. So it actually looks pretty good. And uh, they've got some um, mining applications uh, submitted as well. But they are saying that they uh, have been successful in some exploration and trial mining, which they say is already Europe's largest natural graphite resource. Uh, so that, again, uh, provides them with a lot of uh, firepower then to, to sort of push that through. I think this one is, is good. I'd like to see some more memorandums of understanding, some MOUs with some of these bigger companies to make sure that they can then offset or do some offtake agreements. But certainly with the drilling that they've got, the uh, EVA plant construction and update uh, from their Swedish plant, I think it's all sort of moving in the right direction. So this one's a speculative buy for me.
1: Specky buy. What about you, Julia? I like this one. I just wish Nadine would have been talking about it yesterday instead of today yeah. because the stock price yeah, has great. already jumped 11% on the back of no news. And um, when you're having a look at Tauga, this is basically a graphite company. And when you're looking at graphite, the key to quality is the size of the flakes, the bigger the flakes, and the more application and the better price you can get. And so Talga look, looks very good in that respect. It mines in Sweden. But then on the other side of its business, it also um, produces anodes so it takes that graphite and then it produces those anodes for lithium batteries so basically you can say it's a vertically integrated company Um, both the anode factory as well as its mines are in Sweden it's also got a very strong ESG focus so environmental social governance so if you have a look at the environmental side of things I guess they're a little ahead of the game in terms of, of climate change and that zero net zero carbon policy where it's already using hydro um hydropower over in sweden in its production so look it it looks quite attractive in terms of what it's doing there's also some uh, mines that it's trialing um and just watching niska because if that manages to fulfill the promises or expectations that would make uh, Tauga the the largest anode producer outside of china so it is uh, quality. It is big, um, but look at the share price. It's been absolutely going, going well.
0: Yeah. So I, I was just having a little bit of a laugh because I was saying, "Will she call it a
1: buy at these levels?" <laughs> yeah, so I had it as a buy. I was looking at it yesterday I had it as a buy. It's jumped 11% at the moment. So, look, um, I guess at these levels, I'd probably be waiting for a bit of a pullback if possible. Um, the market's been going pretty strong in November so far, so I'm not sure if we're going to get one. And same with the lithium producers at the moment. We're seeing o- cobra around about the $10 level. We're seeing Pilbara Minerals also gaining ground. So those battery uh, stocks have been doing Well, um, essentially after Hertz ordered those 100,000 cars uh, from Tesla, which was an interesting move. So, look, the the battery uh, story continues to go on. And I guess uh, the the benefit, I think, of Tauga is really its environmental credentials um, because when you're competing with the likes of China, which can compete very strongly on price, Mm. well, I guess it's about understanding the supply chain and where and how your product comes from.
0: Thought we were going to get it in the portfolio. We're not. I have to follow the rules. Julia would not buy it today. It's a hold. She would wait for a pullback. So there you go. <laughs> motorcycle Holdings is the next on the list for Anthony MTO. Julia, I'll start with you. Adam was getting, Adam was feeling picked on, I think, there for a moment. What do you think of Motorcycle
1: <laughs> Holdings? Because um, look, it's been doing really well. Uh, lately, yeah, lots like of growth all, coming through. All three of the first three stocks that we've covered, we we know that you know, whether it's uh, bicycles, electric bikes, motorcycles, cars, all these have been doing very well. And motorcycle holdings is no different as well. If we have a look at the outlook, it's been very strong, and that will probably continue on as well. It looks like people, you know, are shying away from public transport and looking at alternative means of transportation, and that includes motorcycles. Look, the thing I like about motor holdings is that you can say, you know, motorcycle growth has been very strong and demand has been strong. But actually, if you have a look at this company, their demand has been stronger than the market. And the way they've done that is through the brands and the products that they hold. Um, so look, I think the outlook still looking strong over the next 12 to 18 months, especially given that there's probably a bit of a backlog for demand uh, coming through here. So look, the outlook's positive, And I like that the growth for this particular company is actually higher than motorcycle growth in general general which means that they're doing well in terms of their product selection and and the brands that they hold but it's a hold uh it's a buy for me here oh it's a buy sorry i didn't hear
0: that that's why you were excited at the beginning that's a buy for julia lee adam no pressure because of course we're looking for your honest opinion on this do you drive a motorcycle do you have two wheels adam
2: no my mother would never let me Uh, drive a motorcycle and now my wife will never (laughs) drive a motorcycle so uh yeah, you can say that I've uh, yeah no ne- no never have yeah. I, I ever have. But my dad loved them, and you know I can understand totally where everyone's coming from from motorcycles. Look, motorcycle sales for these guys for the first quarter or second quarter uh, for, were up 51% on previous corresponding period. Off road was up 88%, as well as the on road bikes were up 20%. So look, it's been fantastic uh, business for these guys, and and they're looking for calendar 21, and particularly in full year 22. To be upgrading their eps or or forecasts however in saying all of that i'm going to say no it's 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 not a buy from me sorry julia but um it's not a buy from me because when i left the desk i don't think one share had been traded today and that's always a worry for me, that liquidity, you need to have liquidity in there to be moving stocks around and be able to trade it. And and that would be the rule that I'll always stick to, is that you've got to have liquidity in these stocks. So fantastic Secondhand car markets moving ridiculously. I think the second-hand and new, new bike market will also move very, very well. However, um, I still need to have liquidity in the stock for me to be comfortable to buy it, and it just doesn't have it there. So it's going to be a no or a hold from me.
0: There you go, that's motorcycle holdings for you, Anthony. Now, Julia has written in about Costa Group. Ha, got you there, Julia. C, G, C. Now, I will say to your earlier point, Julia Lee, the Fair Work Commission has ruled that all farm workers are entitled to take home the award casual rate, which is $25.41 an hour. So there's wage price inflation. You've got to think for Costa Group.
1: Yeah, look, Costa Group's an interesting one. We know that this year there's been a number of problems, whether it's uh, you know smashed avocados, cafes not being able to sell them, so an oversupply of of avocados and, I guess, a lack of demand coming through, which has driven avocado prices down significantly. Mushrooms, they were really cheap, and then we've seen them coming back somewhat, and then there's the berry side, which has been looking okay. So I guess if you have a look at Costa Group, the main drivers at the moment, I think... is citrus as well as berries um, and so 2021, I think, has been a year of problems. And then, Nadine, as you mentioned, um, looking at uh, the lack of labour and then labour costs rising in this area as well. But a lot of that is probably priced in at this point. So I think it's all about 2022, where things are supposed to return to growth. So look, there's a lot of negativity, I think, baked into the share price at these levels. I'm a big fan of, um, you know, not just letting the fundamentals talk, though, but wait, waiting for the share price to also head in the right direction so with the share price falling here i'd be waiting for a turning point before jumping into it but certainly from a value point of uh, point of view it's looking pretty interesting
0: okay so that's one for the watch list okay what's your view on costa group today adam
2: I'm, i'm with julia on this one this is definitely a watch i mean it was a bit of a market darling a couple of years ago uh, and, and also, remember, they're, they're not just in Australia, they're in Spain. They've got uh, berries and mushrooms all, all, all around the world that they supply to. But certainly citrus is one of the biggest ones for them. And their citrus will account for at least 40% of their sales growth between the next 2021 to 2025. So that's a, that's a huge business for them. And, and certainly, I think they've sold over 10% of their citrus already into China for future crops. So again, that's a real positive for the business. But also uh, what we've seen and, and the reason why I'm really a bit skittish on ag stocks altogether and everybody should know that, you know, it is a bit it, it is a bit of a gamble, these things. But uh, certainly um, the Japan has been one of its number one export markets, but it still has uh, some uh, fruit fly outbreaks in the riverland of South Australia. And that has certainly been hurting some of the cost and quality. Of that fruit going into Japan as well, but look overall, I think the stock is is somewhat depressed and it has lost its market darling status. So I'd be a little bit cautious on that. Any ag stocks, I think it's pretty tough. One because disease, it doesn't rain, there's too much sunshine, all of these kinds of things, (laughs) and they're all things you can't control. So for me, it would be a hold.
0: But we all still have to eat don't we? Anyhow, that's the counterpoint to that. It's lunchtime as well. I'm getting a bit, getting a bit peckish myself. Now, last before we have a bit of a break on the list is Imogene for Louise. I am you. I had the pleasure of speaking with the Imogene CEO yesterday, Leslie Chong at the biotech unlocked event that we held. You can still register for that event and watch on catchup catch up if you like, and you can find the details out uh, if you like via Twitter. Um, what do you think of Imogene, Julia? Because it is very early stage biotech. It has seen its market cap grow from, say, 250 million a year ago to over three billion as of today. I mean, that's an incredible growth story so far, but there's still a lot of proof to come through in the technology. Julia, is this a
1: specky buy that you would put your money behind in the biotech space? I would say it's more of a specky punt at this stage, um, given that it's still going through clinical trials. Um, So it's a long runway to commercialisation. And I guess the way you can play some of these early stages, you know, it's not always going to be good news along the way. So when you do get a bad news day and the stock usually is hit pretty hard, if you're interested in the stock, that's the time to probably be looking at it. So if you have a look at this company, it's a really interesting company looking at immunotherapy for... Uh, cancer. And uh, the main one it's looking at 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 the moment is HERVAX, which looks at the HER2 um, mutation. And I think what happens is when this is overexpressed on tumors, HER2, what you see is um, basically a high risk of cancer. So that's what they're really targeting through that HERVAX. And that's on tumors like uh, breast cancer, gastric, pancreatic, ovarian cancer. They're dealing with gastric at the moment. So gastric's looking at a phase two trial and they're looking at it in three the three different stages so early gastric uh, cancer midway through and and severe so there's sort of three mini trials going through the the phase three um the other therapies that they're looking at are uh, uh, also in the immunoglo- uh, immunotherapy area, but a uh, uh, pre-clinical stage, so even earlier than doing human trials. So, look, a really interesting company, but a uh, high risk given it is still very early stage and there's still many years to go um, uh, until commercialization And th- that many years means that there's also a risk there that somewhere around the globe that somebody gets to a different type of uh, solution faster that that we will see, um, I guess, patents being a problem and having to be be defended. And, of course, there's the cost side of things as well, having to raise capital to go through those uh, clinical trials as well. So, look, I like uh, immunotherapy in terms of cancer. I think it's really interesting. And, look, I think the, the time to be looking at getting into a stock is on the back of bad news, but it is higher risk and more of a punt at this stage, given that there's a, such a long runway to commercialisation.
0: All right. So that is not a buy. Let's get to Adam Dawes on Imogene. I mean, if you were looking to add a biotech to your portfolio to give you some of the potential future exposure that would come through from these exciting therapies that we all need to be discovered and worked on, um, you know, to hopefully benefit us and our loved ones at a later date, would Imogene be one of them?
2: Yeah, look, I actually like this one. Um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a scientist at all, and I, I, you know, I've always said that you know, don't invest in things that you don't understand. But I have spent a bit of time with Leslie Chong on a couple of conference calls just to get an understanding of how this business works and, and where she sits with everything. But look, I certainly think that this one is one of those ones that does have leading technology going forward. There is a couple of things. They just raised $90 million on an institutional bid and $5 million on an SPP. So they've got a lot of cash in the bank. It did surprise a lot of people that they raised that money when they did, but I think it was quite opportunistic when the share price was, I think it was about $0.30 cents that they did the raise for, and, yeah, now sitting at sort of 58 $0.60. Cents. So it's actually looking pretty good. But one of the things that I do like about this is, and Julia sort of touched on it, they've got lots of uh, – irons in the fire, Mm -hmm. lots of these uh, small immunotherapy drugs, as well as all of these CAR T-cell anti-tumor responses for solid tumors. They've got lots of things going on at the moment. Sometimes the market doesn't like that because then they get confused or the market gets confused. They've got too many projects going on at once. But I think they all sort of move in the same direction. And look, they only need to get really one off the ground to really make this a company successful as well. On the on the on the share side of things, I'm always a little bit cautious because they are issuing more shares to uh, their partners, and then a lot of those shares come out of escrow, which has seen why the share price has been depressed around that 38, 39 cent market. Now that that started to move higher, so you've got to be a bit careful. I think there's some more stock coming out of escrow next year sometime. So that's something you need to be aware of. But look, I think overall, they've got the cash in the bank. It looks pretty good. Um, it, it, it is certainly uh, something that you need to be aware of and speculative, but I think with the amount of uh, projects that they've got on the, on the go at the moment, it does de-risk the portfolio a little bit. So I'm okay, I'm, I've got clients in this one and I've had to get my head around the business so that I can advise on it. So I'm gonna say it's a buy, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, but very high risk people and be very, very careful.
0: So high risk buy, we'll put that caveat on it and Julia says, you know, it's a pun and and Julia, you would want to potentially wait for a pullback on this one if you were to, to be in a buying mood?
1: Yeah, look, it's not a, a smooth path for a lot of yeah. these biotechs, although at the moment it does look like it uh, for Imogene, and that's because of the share price. You know, when I first looked at this stock, it was at $0.05, cents and it's just absolutely gone to the moon. Um, but I guess the risk is that um, it is a long time until commercialization and in that you'll have good news and you'll have yeah. bad news. Um, and usually with stocks like this, when you do get the bad news, it tends to be happening pretty severely. <laughs> Okay,
0: so that is for you, Louise. Thank you. Now, I have to update our viewers and you guys, too, because Nino's written in to follow up. I think he was feeling uh, like credit needed to be put where credit is due. So, yes, Adam, he's giving you props. But now he said, in fairness to Julia Lee, her one stock pick on the call uh, was HZR. I'm just looking that up. I think that's Hazer, isn't it? Yep, Yep. Hazer Group. So he says, um, and since then, that was the 6th of the 7th, 21. Although somewhat volatile, the stock is up a big 85%. He says, well done, Julia. Watch out, Adam. I think kudos (laughs) to you both. All right, we're lucky to have you. Let's take a bit of a break. I'll wrap what we've learned so far. So in terms of our stock of the day, which is Link Administration, after it got that um, takeover offer on the table from Carlyle Group, the private equity. Look, Adam says it's a sell. He says that it's a highly conditional offer from what he can see. He says the strategy would be to sell some up around these levels. The share price is up by 11 percent today. Julia says... Look, uh, there's a lot of technology and the technology will be improved by Pri when it comes in, but she's still saying that it's a hold. Maca. Well, Julia says it looks interesting around here because, um, look, it's been winning contracts and that's what it's in the business to do, but she does warn perhaps on wage pressures coming through. It's a hold at best for Adam Dawes. It's a mining services company, but it uh, is looking pretty positive in that space. Talga Group. It is a specky buy. For Adam Dawes. It's in the right area. It's a tech play. It's a world leader, but it is a bit. It's got a bit of a hype around it. It's a hold for Julia Lee. It's got a lot of the good thematics ESG graphite. Uh, It was up 11% though yesterday on No News, so she'd be looking to get it cheaper, not today. Motorcycle Holdings, uh, it's a hold for Adam uh, because it is illiquid, and that's always a worry for him, but it is a buy for Julia Lee today. It's doing well. Looks like it's got uh, its nail on the head when it comes to product selection. Now, we get to Costa Group, and Julia says that it's looking like pretty good value at this point but what you want to see before you buy is some sort of a turning point in the share price because she believes in fundamentals but she also watches the chart so you want to see that turn you want to watch the momentum it's a hold at best for adam it's very depressed it's got some good things to the business you know it exports to japan all the rest of it but it's it's an ag stock and that always makes him a little bit skittish and cautious imugene it's a buy for Adam Dawes. Look, it's high risk. It's high risk, but it does have leading technology. It's got a lot going for it. Strong management, good board. And so he's had to get his head around as much as he can, the, the science. He'd be buying it. Julia says, look, it's a punt at this stage, early stage. I think she'd prefer to watch some of those clinical trials come to fruition. And keep in mind that these are so volatile when those results come through that you'd likely be able to get it cheaper in the future so that's a bit of a wrap of what we learned so far now let's get to our fantasy portfolio thanks to our partner nab nab trade i should say all the companies uh, we haven't had one yet today that get two thumbs up goes in and if it gets a unanimous hold it remains in the portfolio it has to get a sell to come out so let's look at how we've been performing. Over the week, up by 1.8% on the month, close to 5%. Year to date, so this is financial year to date, close to 9% higher. But we've been tracking this portfolio since July 1st, 2020. And since then, we're up by 47%, or round about there. Lately, we've put in Medadvisor, Seven West Medium, Smart Parking. Vanguard US Total Market Shares Index, ETF, and Alcidian. So, a couple biotechs there. Stocks removed though A2 Milk, Crown, Star Pharma, and Points Bet. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? We just got news today that we could see uh, gaming and uh, being approved in the US uh, pretty soon. I'm just checking on the share price for my own interest's sake today. Yeah, Points Bet just trading relatively flat. You can find out what's in that portfolio run by NAB Trade uh, by going to that address at the bottom of your screen. And, of course, we keep updating you every day, Monday to Friday, on the call. Let's keep going, shall we? Let's get to the next company on the list for FIA. This is the L1 Long Short Fund, LSF. I'm going to start with you, Adam, because I know your buddy, Henry Jennings, knows this one pretty well.
2: We know it quite well, also, as far as that we're in the IPO at $2
1: okay. then, Apologies. Uh,
2: <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's done. It's, yeah, it's, it's been a tough one for us. This one, uh, I think, overall, um, the, there there was when they a bit of a history lesson. When they first started, they I think they uh, they were going for seven hundred million or something. They got over a billion or one point two billion of funds under management uh, from the IPO. Um, the thing is, is what they did is they just basically invested the whole thing within a couple of weeks, and so they really didn't sort of bring it and then and then they had to unwind positions because the market wasn't really in their favor i i I like this business because it's now it's now worked its way back up i don't know what the nta is at the moment um but look it looks okay and i and i don't mind a fund that can be long or short so long meaning that they buy stocks and it moves higher but also short side as well i think they can do up to 30 percent of the fund in a short so it, it means that obviously if stocks are going lower uh, you know, you can short it. Now, they basically were on the wrong side of a lot of shorts for, for many, many years. And so certainly uh, the stock price has now rallied and done quite well. But really, at the end of the day, uh, uh, it, it has been a tough road for this one. So, look, for me, I think it, 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 it does sit well in a portfolio. Um, I, I'd be comfortable to buy this one now. They've got, some, they've got a really good track record. Um, and I like that sort of short side of things as well, because if this market is looking a little bit bubbly, Next year, we might see some inflation numbers printing a bit higher. We might see some quantitative easing coming back. And potentially, we'll see some interest rates rises, you know, maybe at the end of next year. It would be good to have the ability to go to be able to be shorting. And a lot of people don't have the ability to short. So by buying something like this, it gives you the ability to be a little bit more flexible as well. So I'm pretty comfortable with the long-short it's to buy from me. How
1: about you, Julia? Would you be buying into long-short? I have before, and it's been pretty impressive. It was a really slow start um, when it debuted on on the ASX with, you know, very high expectations given its track Record in the unlisted products. So you're looking at a hedge fund which looks to benefit in both up as well as down markets. And I think they've done a bit of analysis that in the down markets, you know, I think there's been a loss of about 0.2%, whereas the fund has managed to stay even. And in the up events, it's been uh, an increase of about 2.9%, which the fund's been able to match. So being able to have that upside um, together without um, participating in a lot of that downside is, I guess, what it's trying to offer. There's four key themes that the fund's um, trying to ride at the moment Um, and I guess the first one is US sports betting and these are areas where it sees asymmetrical uh, risk return profiles. So one's uh, US sports betting, the second is uh, energy new energy versus old energy the third area is the area of vaccines especially in terms of COVID and and then the fourth area is corporate restructure. So it's managed to ride those themes pretty well in the past year. I think the one year return has been just in the last time financial year I think it was about 72% return which is absolutely incredible so nice to see that it's got its mojo back Um, and of course it does have a long track record of being able to uh, give outsized returns it was just a bit of a slow start in its listed investment company its LIC product on the ASX but it looks like it's got its mojo back. So you would be buying? Yes yes well,
0: slow but steady wins the race sometimes. It's a buy from Julia Lee. Let's get on to the next company, Ben for, or EML payments, I should say, for Ben. Look, he's highlighting the regulatory issues with the Irish Central Bank, which we know, asking, is the share price low enough to begin accumulating for a long-term gain, or is it still too risky or early to be jumping in? Julia, I'll start with you, because fundamentals plus what you're seeing on the charts, what's it telling you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you have a look at EML Payments, it started as, um, I guess, a prepaid company, so a gift card type of company, and then it managed to move into the digital financial services space, which was extremely high growth, and it still is extremely high growth. But it's had a bit of a spanner in the works with the Irish uh, Island Central Bank, and um, I guess now some of its business is at risk. And I guess the longer this drags on, the more problematic it gets, because if you think about it, companies that are looking to enter into, uh, I guess, an agreement to do digital banking services or digital financial services, you know, uh, reputation is key. um, And the difference between going with someone that's gold standard versus um, seen as more of a cowboy in the industry, I think is an important distinction in being able to win new business and to be able to grow. So, look, this was uh, very fast growing and probably is still growing relatively quickly, but I think the longer this drags on with um, Island regulators and business doesn't get back to normal. There are uh, risks emerging not only from the reputational side of things but also that its competitors um, are able to gain market share and uh, expand offerings in this space. Because if you have a look at the global scheme of things, email payments is still relatively small fish in quite a big ocean, so it's dealing with much bigger competitors out there. So, look, I'd say this is probably high risk at the moment, especially given that the longer this drags on competition and uh, companies with larger wallets are able to continue to uh, continue with their fast paced growth. And I think reputation is key when it comes to a new area. So when you're looking at something like um, digital banking services or digital financial services, I think reputation um, plays a, a key part. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That is not a buy from Julia Lee. What about you, Adam, I mean, if you believe in the longer term story and you believe that some of that negative PR can go away, uh, is it a buy?
2: Yeah, no, not for me either. I think this one uh, is still looking to obviously the central bank or the CBI, Central Bank of Ireland. Uh, They're they're talking about sort of more remediation payments going through full year 2023. So they're still going to be uh, potentially having to uh, fund or at least uh, put money aside for some more remediation processes going forward. Uh, Look, this one obviously was a market darling. And looking at the charts there, it looks like it's sort of hitting a bit of support uh, as well. But I I think that, you know, overall, longer term, this one will be so short-term revenue growth. But, you know, potentially, look at that 295. Look at that May chart from... um, uh, you know, it looks like it. It looks like it could sort of have some support here, but I'd be a little bit cautious, you know, going forward because if that breaks down, you look at the longer term chart. There's a long way to go on the on the downside. So uh, look, you know, revenue looks to be okay. Uh, look, I think that there's going to be some short term. Yeah, look at that chart. So you still got you got a ways to go if if this thing does fall uh, further. I think uh, short term revenue growth looks like it potentially could happen, but uh, I think that the 2023 story of uh, ongoing remediation will present some downside or downward risks to the consensus forecasts for this business. Um, I also feel that, you know, the, the company has probably taken its eye off the ball because it's dealing with regulatory issues. Another one of my rules is if they, you know, you do get into court cases, uh, it takes the mind off uh, what's going on in the business. Plus also extra money has to be flown, uh, flowed into lawyers, fees, all of that kind of stuff which just drains uh, the business going forward as well. So this one would be uh, an avoid from me.
0: Too hard basket. All right, that's EML payments for you, Ben. On to Jupiter Mines for Leon. Now, it is a Manganese miner based in Perth, but mining in South Africa. Is there any reason, Adam, to go to this end of the market if you're looking for exposure to Manganese, when you could buy a South 32, for example?
2: That would be my absolute call by South 32 because you've got the diversification of coal, aluminium, manganese and everything else that goes with it, plus a a management team that is absolutely uh, top-notch. So, yeah, for me, Jupiter Mines, look, they've had a bit of a boardroom shake-up at the AGM following their votes against uh, a fair bit of remuneration, uh, and there was a split from the AGM as well. So directors, uh, there was a couple of directors where we were re-elected, but then there were a couple that weren't. So there's been a bit of a board shake-up, and I, I love it how shareholders can vote on how they want their, their company to run. So if you ever own a stock and you're asked to vote, you should absolutely put in your voting, uh, and it is absolutely your right to vote against uh, against a director or for a director for their remuneration and everything else that goes forward. And you might not think that your vote counts, but as we know, all voting counts does for this. So certainly that has been a bit of good shake-up But the vote against their remuneration report certainly says to me that the shareholders aren't happy with what's going on in the share price. And look, certainly I don't think there's any sort of change to the business going forward. Hopefully the new directors can come in and once this split or this resolution outcome goes through, they can find some of these other directors to then start running the business. But certainly the focus should be to get the board right to get the to get that going and certainly some of those high fees that were paid to board members while the share prices retreated absolutely uh they should be made held accountable for that but for me Jupiter Minds is you know looking at that share price uh you, you need a lot of water to go under the bridge before you start to look at this one again
1: Julie are you Yeah, it's a no from me as well. So if you have a look at Jupiter Mines, it is in the area of manganese. And I guess if you have a look at manganese, um, often it's marketed as another battery material, lithium-ion battery material. But if you have a look at, I guess, the key driver of manganese prices, it's actually in steel production. What it does is it makes steel um, less brittle or not brittle. Um, And so the key driver of um, manganese is actually from steel. And unfortunately, at the moment, we're seeing a supply demand dynamic where supply is outstripping demand. And we know what that does to prices. Lots of sellers drive down the price. That's exactly what we're seeing in the area of manganese at the moment. So we know that in the area of steel production and it has been impacted by China. We've been seeing those electricity blackouts which have been impacted on output output from the country. And then in addition to that, we've seen that COVID zero policy really impacting on different regions with more lockdowns happening at the moment. So look, probably steel um, and anything related to steel is something that I'd look at again early next year. Beijing has its Winter Olympics in uh, February, and no doubt they'll be trying to cut down on pollution in the sky as well. So I think it's probably more of a later first half next year type of story. So same with manganese, which is driven by those steel mill. So watching um, Jupiter Mines, but it's a no from me at this point, uh, the share prices dropped quite significantly. It was at about 36 cents back in February. Today it's trading at about 21 cents. So you've seen a fall of more than 40% mm-hmm. there.
0: Okay. Thank you. Rosie has written in asking about Freelancer. Now, Freelancer, I mean, it, it has it capitalized? On the work from home sort of scenario, from all of the, the work that could have been been abounding through this COVID period, Julia.
1: Yeah, look, it is looking interesting. It's probably a hold from me. It's a bit early stage at the moment. The outlook is looking brighter for the next year ahead. Um, If you wanted to get into it, I'd probably just start with a little bit now and drip feed it in as the share price recovers or there's signs of recovery in terms of the share price. I thought it was quite interesting that LinkedIn is also coming up with a freelancing marketplace. It'll be interesting to see whether that impacts um, in terms of market share in other areas. I think we we sort of thought the same thing when it went into job ads, but Seek's uh, share price doesn't seem to have been impacted too much. But let's see uh, the type of impact it has in that freelancer space. Um, So, look, freelancer. I think the outlook is looking better over the next 12 months than it has over the last 12 months. I'd want to see more of a recovery in terms of the share price. So I think it is a little bit too early. But if you were wanting to get in uh, relatively early, I'd be drip feeding it in slowly and then adding more as the price recovery comes through.
0: Got it. Thank you. Um, It's got that escrow business now as well, Adam, where it um, facilitates secure online payments for items like watches and and that, which is an interesting part of the business, considering so much is being bought and sold online between individuals. What do you make a freelancer, Adam?
2: Uh, I think that the moat is not big enough to defend this business. And that's probably my biggest thing with this one is that uh, like Airtasker, like Freelancer, you know, you can build a business and, 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 and no offence, but you can build a website and, and tradies can come on there or people can come on there and start posting jobs and those kinds of things. I don't think that, that the business is very defensible and that's why I don't like it. Um, if you have some, look, you, you probably hold on to it. But for me, the, the, there's probably other areas that you can look at or, or at least uh, invest in. I think this one uh, for me is a no I, yeah, I, I I like the business because it, it, I'm, I'm I'm contradicting myself here. I, I like the business due to the fact that uh, you can go on there, and if you want to build a website, you can put a tender out, and there's uh, 50 you know uh, 50 other people around the world that are going to compete to get your business, and then obviously you get the best price. But then again. Um, what happens when you build that first website and you've got your developer and then the developer that you've been working with goes, look, don't worry about putting it on Freelancer. How about you come to me direct next time and we can do some work? And then all of a sudden, that model that Freelancer has is pretty much defunct because you only use it once and then you can move on to the next thing or then you've got your contacts and you can move forward. So, you know, Airbnb is a different beast, but it, it means you must communicate through Airbnb's channel the whole way through the process Whereas freelancer, you've got this ability to get the job, contract the job, but then you can contact them outside of that and move forward. So the moat isn't big enough for me. And that's why I'm uh, negative on freelancer.
0: Thank you. Now, the last one on the list, Pendle Group, which was actually out with its full year results just today. If you'd like to listen to an interview with its CEO, Nick Good, it is up on our website as we speak. Uh, So Pendle Group has made hay, you could say, while the sun shone. I mean, yes, a fund manager should have done well over the past 12 months. Correct, Julia? um, Its share price is up by about three quarters, pretty close to eight tenths of a percent in the wake of that uh, update coming through. Uh, What did you make of it? What did you make of Pendle? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it's had news today. Um, when I looked at it yesterday, it did look like it was in due for a bounce. It looked like it had been oversold and it did look like there was value there. I guess having a look at those results, it, its funds have been performing well and that's the key. And I guess when you have a look at its business, you know, it did do that major acquisition in the US, which boosted funds under management as well. And I think in the past year, funds under management is actually up by around about 50%, mainly driven by that US acquisition, but of course, market. Have been uh, very good and kind as well. So looking across its funds, uh, they are performing well, which is the key. And I think when you have a look at a fund manager, there's three things to look at. One is performance, which is a key thing. Uh, second is distribution, and distribution for Pendle is only increasing, especially into the US, which makes up around about half of its business now. And then um, the third area, of course, is the marketing side of things. So look, I think with Pendle, things are moving in the right direction. Fund managers have been a difficult place to be over the last six months. I mean, you only have to have a look at Magellan and Platinum, but I think Pendle is doing relatively well.
0: Is that a hold or a buy? Okay, we got a buy. Adam, (laughs) how are we going to end this program?
1: Pendle. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You know, Pendle, I think Pendle was the old uh, Westpac, wasn't it, Julia? I think it was the old um, BT. BT? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, so, look, it's had a couple of reiterations I just get the feeling that that TSW acquisition that they did, which is that US one, um, that's just buying funds. And I don't really, I, I like organic growth. I don't like growth by acquisition. And look, certainly something like that doesn't really excite me because all you've done is just bought FUM and then you're sticking it on top of your other FUM that potentially was a little bit falling away. Plus then it becomes an Aussie dollar story as well. So you then have got another layer of complexity going inside of that as well. So for me, no. I I, I know Hamish hasn't done very well or Magellan, but we have been buying Magellan down here. Uh, I know UBS has got a sell on it. and There's a couple of other brokers that have got a sell on it. But I think these guys, uh, they've got a better uh, understanding of what's going on. And their performance hasn't been great either. So it's been a tough market for fund managers all the way through this. But for me, I think Pendle just bought some funds under management. Uh, they've got to digest that. Uh, it doesn't really excite me, and I prefer to be somewhere like a Magellan uh, who you know potentially got a little bit better track record going forward because BT was always the one, or, or Pendle has always been the one that has only really been uh, had uh, access to the Aussie market and funds in there. So they've, they've listened to the market. They've gone and bought uh, an international mm-hmm. fund manager, US fund manager, But it doesn't really excite me. And looking at that chart, it potentially has another leg down for me as well. So sorry to end the uh, show on a bad note. but No pressure. Because I'll try to turn it
0: around. So Helen had asked about Pendle Groups. You've got a no from Adam Dawes. You've got a buy from Julia Lee. Adam, though, would be buying Magellan. Julia,
1: would you be buying Magellan now? Yeah, look, Magellan looks interesting from a value point of view, but given its underperformance, you'd have to ask yourself whether it might have to start cutting some of its fees. So, you know, investors in the past have been willing to pay fees which are above what the market usually charges for that outperformance. Um, But given its underperformance now being quite a problem, I'd say if you were an investor and a large investor in Magellan, you'd be pushing for lower fees to stay in the fund or, you know, reshuffling the portfolio. Mm -hmm. So that underperformance is a problem when I think when it's combined with those high fees, because it means that there could be margin compression. Whereas, um, you know, Pendle, although it does come from a track record of being owned by a bank, this time around, we have seen revenue up by 35% and net profit up by 42%. And it did have an existing US business. And there are signs that, you know, integration of that new US business is going relatively well. They haven't uh, lost any key personnel there. And I think it does increase its distribution footprint especially given that Mm -hmm. most of its investors are still probably coming from Australia
0: all right there you go that is the program sorry Adam ready to apply
2: just to my point as well on Magellan that look certainly that uh, you're right on those funds outflows and the underperformance but Magellan has certainly started to diversify their business they've bought Baron Joey they've bought Finclear Baron Joey actually turned a profit for the first quarter this year which was not expected to turn a profit for five years so they've actually turned that business around a lot of high costs to come out of that one so it is one but also Finclear taking over Pershing's business here in Australia we use Finclear now Uh, It hasn't been the great start to to it, but look, Finkley is another one of those services. They are diversifying their base, not just funds management. They're looking at other arms as well. I think that's wise for these guys going forward.
1: I agree with that. I mean, if I could buy Baron Joey on its own, I probably would. Um, That's definitely where the growth and the momentum is. And this Australian business, Ali, has been performing well as well. The problem child at the moment is its core international business. And if it can turn that around or show signs of stabilizing that, but I don't think it's going to be able to, I guess, stem some of those outflows without cutting fees in that business first.
0: Are we done? I love these chats. <laughs> I wish we could keep going. Adam, this is your invitation to stroll down the street at around quarter to four, 4 p.m. Join us for the last call. Come have a drink with us. Julia will be there. I'll be there. The whole AusBiz team will be there. We'd love to have hey, you. Hey, come for a drink, Adam. Come on.
2: I didn't bring my suit today. If you look further down, I'm not wearing a no, suit. No, no, so. but you don't even
0: have to go on air. Just come have a drink. Just come have a drink. There you go. Well,
2: there you go. That sounds like a good pressure. My
0: goodness, we'll drop it. Julia Lee, Berman Invest, Adam Dawes, Sean Partners. Great to have you on for the show today, Julia. I'll see you later on. Thanks, Nadine, Thanks, Thanks, Adam. Thank you. All right, let's sum it up quickly. My guests for FIA, both of them would buy the L1 Long Short Fund. It's already in the portfolio, so it is staying there. Ben, neither of my guests would be buying EML right now. Too hard basket for Adam. Avoid because this risk is continuing to drag on, and the longer it drags on, the worse it is in Julia's view. Jupiter Mines, Adam would be buying a South32 instead, and he says that there's been some problems at the board level with share shareholders voting against remuneration. He gave you a bit of a PSA, a public service announcement, saying if you're a shareholder, exercise your right to vote. It's just a no for Julia. Freelancer, it's a hold for both of my guests. Julia says the outlook is getting brighter, but it's just too early. She wants to see more proof in the pudding. Adam doesn't like it because he doesn't see how that moat is impenetrable. Now, for the final uh, conversation that we had, wish I could have let it go on. Uh, Look, Pendle is a no for Adam, but he would be buying Majestic. He stated his case, Julia still would not be buying a Magellan, but she would be buying a Pendle. And that's for you, Helen. Thank you for watching us and the program today. We will answer your questions if you get them into the call at ozbiz.com.au. We can't always do them the day after. Just keep that in mind. You can also check out that portfolio at ozbiz.co forward slash (laughs) portfolio.